Welcome back to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese. I'm back once again with Brian, the Soul Man Solak, and our very special guest this week, Alex Rivera, the Spanish broadcaster for our Seattle Mariners. How's it going, Alex? How's it going, Brian? Hey, it's going really well, really well. Happy to be here, guys. We're happy to have you. We are. We yes, we really are. appreciate it. <laughs> I noticed you're outside in Edmonds. Today did not turn out to be an Edmonds kind of day, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to somebody who lives right next door to me here in Lake Forest Park. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the weather's nice. You know, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. It's raining, but that's normal. It's par for the course in uh, the beautiful Pacific Northwest. That's why it's so green. True, right true. on. You guys have a view of Puget Sound? Just curious. No, gosh, no. Oh, that's okay. Edmonds is still a beautiful place to live. I used yes, to live it there. is. It got, right even, on. it got even better about, uh, I'd say about a year and a half ago when they put a top pots in. And uh, now I'm there like two or three times a week. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, I, I want to get start out with talking about Julio Cruz. Rest in peace to the former Mariners second baseman and your former colleague. Do you mind telling us about your relationship with Julio? Um, Julio, man, it, there's there's just so much there. I'll, I'll tell you that Julio was the the big brother. You know, he was uh, always supportive super positive and for me um not having him in the booth this season is just it's a little bit harder you know I used to look forward to this time of the year Julio is always a very private guy we would text back and forth during the off season maybe meet up for a lunch or two but um once we were working together it was just cool because the camaraderie would just come back and that brotherhood would come back and and uh you know it he's just for those who didn't know Julio Cruz, if there's, you know, if I can tell you anything about him, what I would tell you is that he would, oh, he was always a giving guy from the beginning um, of his career, just him, just as an individual. Um, he would throw gloves and cleats over the fence for the minor leaguers back when he started playing because okay. they just didn't have that equipment, you know, and he was always willing to help. He'd give you the shirt off of his back. Um, he was known in the clubhouse. When Julio went into the clubhouse, baseballs would disappear. But <laughs> he was always giving them away. He was never taking anything for his own personal gain. It was for, you know, the, the kids at Eastside Catholic or, you know, somebody that asked them for one. And so just a giving guy, man, great heart. I, I will miss, I will always miss Julio. Think of him. Anytime I play golf, he's with me because he gave me a putter, a ping putter before, uh, prior to the end of last season. So now every time I'm putting, I'm just thinking about Julio. Oh, oh that's cool. awesome. Do you have a, like one game story you'd like to share that you guys were in the booth together about Julio? <laughs> there, there's just, there's so many. Um, one of my favorites was when Eric Estrada was at, uh, at the park back then it was still Safeco field, I believe. Okay. And they did like a chips night. He came out on the motorcycle and my board operator, our engineer, and also backup broadcaster, Steve Guash is Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican from New York. Julio's Puerto Rican from almost the same area um, that I grew up. And then you had Eric Estrada who was also Puerto Rican from New York as well. <laughs> so you had the four Puerto Ricans in the booth. It was just, I didn't call a game for like four or five innings. By the time he left, it was like a tornado went through and we just had such a good time. And, and Julio was just, it was, it was amazing. Cause you know, Julio was a little starstruck with Eric Estrada. He remembered him a little better than <laughs> I did, but it was just, it was just a good time, man. Just a great soul. Just a great soul. The old chip awesome. superstar right with the great teeth. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, so you, you mentioned uh, that you're from New York. Uh, oop. As your broadcaster now, who who were your who did you listen to when you were growing up? You know, what's funny about that is a lot of people ask me that same question, and I didn't grow up listening to baseball. I grew up going to baseball games. So we take the seven flushing back then um, to Shea Stadium, and uh, we would you know sit in the Beecher uh, 
bleacher bum section. As a kid, we would play underneath. My dad be up there eating peanuts and, and hanging out with the rest of the guys. So I just grew up going to ball games. And if there was anything I wanted to do on the broadcast side, to be honest with you, I was I always dreamt of being a broadcaster for boxing. Oh. Because I remember, like, you know, Hard Cosell, and I had a chance to meet Burt Sugar and a, and a lot of these guys. So that was more of the dream for me. If I stood in front of the mirror, I was calling a fight, not a baseball game. So it's just kind of a – it's interesting where kind of the road leads you, you know. God, I love Burt Sugar. Brian Solak. Burt Sugar wrote a book called uh, Pro Wrestling for Dummies. Uh, check it out. I, I got a copy. I'll let you borrow it sometime. Please. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Alex, do you guys, when you're broadcasting Mariner games, you guys only do the home, always do just home games or do you ever get to do road games? Not only home games, you know, it's all about economics. You know, if, uh, if the sponsorship dollars were there, we'd be on the road with the team as well. Um, but it's strictly limited to home games, which is kind of nice, you know, cause then I'm not gone for six months, you know, okay. kind of gives me a little bit of a break, but you know, it would be helpful. And in years past, we had had the conversations and we were kind of moving in that direction or maybe um, doing the games at home, kind of close, you know, um, close circuit type of a thing. Uh, but it just never materialized again because it comes down to the sponsorship. Okay. Very cool. <clears throat> do, they, do they ever put you on the English broadcast? You know, they have not done that. And that's an interesting question because I get asked that a lot. And I think what gets forgotten um, within the organization, I mean, I'm very good friends with Dave Sims and Rick Riz. I mean, these guys are, you know, those are my brothers during uh, the summertime. Uh, Dave Niehaus was, was a huge advocate. The guy that, you know, was just the model of a broadcaster. Um, but I think that sometimes it gets forgotten that English is my first language. Mm. Even though I am Latino, I'm kind of that, you know, I could speak Spanish, you know, without an English accent and I can speak English without a Spanish accent. So, but I just kind of think people forget that. And I get, I get missed occasionally um, when they do roundtables and stuff, because they forget that I'm there and I've been there for the last past 15 plus years, watching the same ball team, seeing this, you know, same experiences, um, rubbing shoulders with the same players. The only difference is I don't get to do it on the road. Mm. Do, you, do you fill that time with broadcast for anything else or? I'm sorry. Uh, do you broadcast for any other sports? Well, I did one the year that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. I had the honor of broadcasting kind of from the beginning to the end. We did preseason. We did all the games, but we did the road games um, in studio in Kent when ESPN Deportes was in the market. Right on. And I've done some high school, uh, some high school baseball. And, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, I just, I love sports. I, I can't say I could do hockey because I wouldn't do it any service. Um, I do enjoy the sport, but I don't understand the game. And uh, soccer is definitely not within my wheelhouse either. But come on, Alex. So uh, <laughs> hockey, hockey's just we boxing. Puerto Ricans play. Puerto Ricans play baseball and, and basketball. We're not soccer stars. No, I was going to say hockey's just boxing on skates, isn't it? UFC would be amazing. I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to call some UFC fights. <laughs> there seems to be a, a big Latino community in Seattle, the Seattle, the Pacific Northwest. You guys have a pretty good amount of listeners. We do. Unfortunately, it's something that's never been tracked. Um, but we know because I'll go places and, you know, I'll go to, to a Mexican restaurant or I'll just be at a random restaurant or whatnot and, and have someone from the kitchen come out and go, hey, I recognized your voice, you know, or I've seen you on TV for the one or two times that, you know, throughout the season that we end up on camera. So that the community has been super supportive, you know, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But the community here, one thing that I always like to um, emphasize is what's forgotten sometimes here is that the community, the Latin community here extends beyond Mexico. I know that we're on the West Coast and there's a, 
a majority of you know Mexican Americans in this in this area, but Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Peru, uh, Peru. There's a huge community in all these other Latin American countries, and they are all super baseball fans, just like they're soccer fans. So a lot of times that gets uh, it gets forgotten that we're not just a a single um, you know single region as far as the Latin American community here in, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Alex, do you ever get put on simulcast? Perhaps like maybe Oakland's playing up here and they'll broadcast for their Spanish radio. Have not. And Oakland, I know has had their, they're one of the teams that have had a broadcast and pre COVID they used to travel as well. Um, Oakland, Texas, the, you know, the LA teams um, all have, Spanish broadcasters, Boston. I used to be really good friends with uh, the broadcaster over there in Spanish, but there's still some teams that don't, but it's never anything that's really uh, come up. Uh, the opportunity's never presented itself. Okay, that answers my next question. I was going to ask you if most MLB teams had Spanish announcers, but the big majority of them do, though? Yeah, there's there's a good majority that do, but there are some that don't. And the first one that comes to mind, because I had had a conversation with their uh, former GM, was the Kansas City Royals. I know that they they don't, and I believe that the Twins don't have one either. But, you know, the big marketplaces like California, Texas, New York, uh, Boston, um, you know, Philadelphia, like all these, all these cities have um, huge Spanish contingent and definitely have the broadcast. Outstanding. Do um. Do the Mariners have any other languages? I assume when Ichiro is here, they might have broadcast a couple games in Japanese. Yeah, I think that if anything is done in Japanese or in any other language, it's kind of, it's being piped like they're over there. Like they're not oh, here okay. at the stadium. But the one thing with the Japanese contingent is really interesting is that, um, you know, if you're, you know, a Latin American player and or, or an American player and you're playing overseas or whatnot, you know, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, you know, will we'll send people. But with Japanese players, they're like superstars. So you've got the Food Network, you know, <laughs> Nat Geo of Japan. You know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but everybody. So there's a lot of people to credential because they're really crossover uh, stars, which is unique compared to how it is in this market. Gotcha. So sometimes they'll broadcast from Japan just watching a TV feed? Yeah. I mean, we've done, we've done that in, with the Seahawks. We did it in studio as well, where we're getting the actual feed that's coming from the cameras at the stadium, not what you're watching on TV, but the actual not delayed uh, broadcast. Yeah. And then that's what we used to call the game. What, what do you, I assume you feel like there's something missing though, right? Like is you can't replace the being there experience, right? No, the crowd noise, the energy, the smell of the garlic fries. Like it's just, it's, it's all part of the game. You know, it's like, for me, it's like, even on the cold days, that's what I loved about Seahawks. Like there is no window to close. So it's February, it's January, it's cold as heck. You're, you're going to brave the elements because you're out there. Um, that's the one thing, you know, with baseball, when it's live, you can just feel the energy, the crowd getting excited, enthusiastic, the crack of the bat, you know, the, the, the ball hitting the glove. Uh, there's nothing like doing it live, but, you know, doing it, you know, I'm, I'm following a TV screen is just that that's the only option. All right. Um, what, what did you do before you start? You got into broadcasting. Done a lot, man. Like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, currently I'm still... Um, active in sales. I, I work as a broker. I represent different manufacturer lines. But um, as far as the broadcasting thing, again, it was one of those situations where they talk about luck is defined as opportunity and preparation, that intersection. I was working for a Spanish radio station that acquired the rights to the Seattle Mariner broadcast to do the games in Spanish. And I was doing like commercial work and I did some features on some shows besides selling ads for the station. And uh, Julio Cruz was in the studio. 
Uh, back then, it was Amari P. Gonzalez was the main play-by-play guy. He actually came from Oakland, and he's a career guy that's been doing this, you know, longer than I've been on this earth. And uh, that's where the opportunity presented itself. When Amari left to go back to California, um, I had a chance to do a few games. Randy Adamak reached out to me and said, if I was interested, let's give you the Texas series. I did the Texas series. And uh, they called me and said, you know, gig's yours if you want it. So ever since then, just been rolling. Well, hang wow, on. So, hang on. So you went, you went straight from salesman to, <laughs> hi, I'm Alex Rivera. Yes, sir. You, yes, really? Sir. <laughs> well, well, I mean, did you, did you practice? I mean, uh, I mean, there has to be like, you were just thrown in is what you're saying. There's no, yeah, like, but, uh, but training yeah, or... yeah, I had, I had done some on air stuff and I'm definitely oh, comfortable, okay. comfortable in front of a microphone. You know, that's a whole other, a whole other story for another day. But, um, I was on the broadcast for a few years with Amari P Gonzalez, who is a absolute professional. And he comes from the line where he was mentored by fellow Ramirez who's the Dodgers broadcaster historically forever, Jaime Harin. He comes from that line. So being there in the booth, I didn't realize how much I was absorbing. Mm. And then when it was my time to call the game, I realized that I had the cadence. I knew what to say. There, I never found myself in a situation where I wasn't able to deliver for the audience. I also got really good advice from, you know, the legendary Dave Niehaus may rest in peace. One of my favorite people where before the first broadcast, he kind of put his armor on my shoulder, noticed I was a little nervous about it. And he goes, just make sure that the, that the people listening understand what's happening on the field, all the eloquence about the blue sky and the green grass that comes in time, but just make sure that they understand what is happening on the field the crack of the bat, which way the ball go, how the play turn out, who made the throw, and that type of thing. And uh, when the mic turned on, it was just showtime. That's awesome. Ooh. So you mentioned, uh, oh, I've, you mentioned his name from the Dodgers, Gonzalez, uh, the broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. I, Jaime Harin. No, the other one. Fellow um, Ramirez. Was he? Wasn't he the first Spanish broadcaster in America? I, I believe so. He was with the Dodgers back in the fifties. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's so awesome. Kind of, so you from the and, and it's kind of funny because if we track the line, it's fellow Ramirez, mm-hmm. it's Amari P. Gonzalez, and then it's yours truly. Wow. So I would never imagine that I would be blessed with that opportunity, but it was just presented to me. Julio used to give me a hard time <laughs> joking. He would go, you didn't have to ride the bus. You didn't have to eat at crappy restaurants. You went straight to the big straight to the big leagues. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I didn't, I didn't have to uh, go through all that, you know, strife of calling minor league games. Thank goodness. That's awesome. <laughs> I would have, uh, but I didn't have to. <laughs> I, Abe, I got to interject here real quick. Julio seems like he always had a smile on his face. I mean, I have a picture of him, me and him on the, the kingdom the, the astroturf or whatever it was back then and he was smiling and he had his eyes closed but i, I was like eight years old and but it just seems like he never ha- had a frown on his face am, am i right or what oh and if and if you have a picture with his eyes closed that's julio that's 100 <laughs> julio that's probably 80 percent of the pictures i have of or with julio his eyes are closed but you're right the thing with julio is that he honestly i would bring folks up to visit in the booth And Julio was always gracious because he always appreciated the fans as a player. He appreciated the fans as an ex-player. If you remembered him, that just made him feel so good. It just filled his heart to know that there were still people out there that he impacted, that he left an impression with because that, that was Julio's thing. He just, he just wanted to play the game, play it right and just be a good human being. And that is 100% what he was. Oh, that's is awesome. That, that Brian chokes, is, chokes me up. Right Brian, on. is that in your uh, room O memorabilia? It is. I'd show you the picture if my stupid camera worked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the camera works. No, I just, I, 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 
it's it's the computer somewhere in there. But anyway, um, Alex, question for you about uh, the language of baseball. Uh, is it universal? That is, you know, like, if, is a strike called a strike in Spanish? Is there Are there some unique uh, differences? Or, you know, do you call a grand slam a grand salami? Even though it's um, no, actually, you know, there there's big differences, and and Spanish tends to be a little bit more wordy, oh. so that's where the New York comes in, you know, or or the uh, the Latino living in the United States comes in because at, at we understand words in English, we just kind of say them in Spanish. We change the vowels, you oh. know, but it's the same thing. Um, but it's 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 universal that way. But we have interesting, you know, different ways of calling. Uh, home runs and guys on and somebody got thrown out at, at the base and what's your home run call my home uh, my home run call <laughs> well the word that we use is either there there's a couple different ways to say it but what i will do is you know the pitch is coming in viene el lanzamiento batazo alto profundo that's how i will call it what, unless what? the other team hit it then it's like crickets <laughs> <laughs> so what you just said uh what would be like a close approximation to what's that uh what you just said in spanish what would be a close approximation in english um that would be um here comes the pitch uh makes contact the ball's way up in the air it's flowing flying away it's out of here it sounded more exciting in spanish it, it always <laughs> is you know and i always i joke around with people right now the mariners have a winning record in Spanish. So you got to tune in to us. <laughs> We're above 500 in first place in Spanish. <laughs> uh, you, you're from New York, obviously. Why, why come out to Seattle? I mean, you're born in New York. Were you, were you born in New York too? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, born, born what, brought you to, what brought you to Seattle then? Well, I had a brother who uh, joined the army to see the world and he got stationed at Fort Lewis. Okay. So I uh, thought it was a good idea. My mom thought it was a good idea for me to go see something besides the stoop and the neighborhood I grew up in. So I was like, sure. I was young, about a high school, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and came out to the Northwest and I just loved it. Went to school and kind of built a life here. And you, you, did you meet your beautiful wife out here too? Yeah, we met here um, in, you know, in the Latino community, just mutual friends you know we'd see each other around all the time and you know develop the friendship and then it just kind of blossomed from there that's awesome right on. now she went yeah. to blanchett high school right yeah all right and how to bum from brooklyn pull a girl from blanchett huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh real quick uh, i gotta give you a shout i'm gonna give you a shout out early happy anniversary anniversary you guys celebrated 27 years i believe last correct weekend. yes that's outstanding congrats thank you thank you that's very cool did you uh, uh so when you heard about this opportunity for the mariners uh it sounded like you brokered it a little bit uh and then julio uh gave you your uh gave you your uh in when was there any resistance to doing a Spanish broadcast because it sounds like maybe money could be part of the issue. Uh, sure. But was, was there any like mm, this, this Alex kid, I don't know if he's got it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually there was no resistance because, you know, the broadcast was built um, with Amari P Gonzalez and Julio. And there was a gentleman named Roger Nelson out of Spokane. I believe the call letters are KXLY shout out to Roger Nelson um, he was the first one who was the, he was the original rights holder. And um, when I was working at the radio station, Radio Soul, that was actually broadcasting the games, I had a chance to meet everybody and I knew Julio. And um, so I just wanted to get involved. I'm like, I just need to know, you know, I need to get in where I fit in right now. So I did some engineering. Um, I did some stat stuff for them, you know, oh, another okay. Spanish speaker in the booth that could kind of shoot them information and all that kind of stuff and do some interviews for players get drops and all that and and then fill in when somebody needed you know someone to sub in a couple innings or a game or whatever the case may be so i was already way involved so when amari got the contract from the angels and you know was ready to move on you know that's where the opportunity was there and between julio and roger nelson 
um, Randy Adamak, they all just kind of championed it and, you know, it was a very smooth transition. That's cool. So people had already heard you. They'd seen you. They had, uh, excellent, excellent. And I hadn't yeah. thought about this, but Eastern Washington, probably there's a lot of listeners, uh, because yes. there's a large Hispanic community over there. Yes. And that's the other, the other point that I always, you know, like to remind folks because for the most part, you know, with, uh, Latin America, soccer is like number one. Um, but then they live here and their kids start playing baseball. The same way I got into soccer was because my kids started playing soccer. Now I know the rules. I understand the game. I'm like, why is she way back here? She can't score goals from over there. Oh, well, she's defense. That's important. You kind of figure it out, you know, and it's been the same with baseball. So if their kids are playing then the parents get interested, now the kids want to go to the game. The kids want to watch the game. The parents start watching it. So a household, a Latin American household, that's probably more of a soccer household also becomes a baseball household and they'll become hockey households because their kids are going to do what American kids do, regardless of where they're from. And that's where that really kind of got built up. You know, us Caribbeans, we're baseball fanatics, you know, from birth. But a lot of other Latin American countries or, or different regions and countries are not so much. But once they get into the States, they acclimate and you've got a fan base. It's just, it's amazing. I, I love to see, you know, my Latino brothers and sisters out there with their kids and just having a good time and watching baseball and really, really understanding the game and getting into it. So Alex, why Mets instead of Yankees growing up? You know, <laughs> it's a regional thing, man. And plus the Mets are the blue collar team. Mm. Yankees are the enemy. You know, that's, that's the evil empire. Because <laughs> you don't now you know why the Mets are blue and orange, right? I don't need to tell you that. I uh, know you do need to tell me. I don't Please. know that. I don't. Know <laughs> oh that. wow, okay. So they're blue and orange because the Dodgers were blue, yeah, and the original New York Giants were orange. Oh, Both went to the West Coast. Okay. So we needed a team for the for the regular people. Okay, you gotta you gotta go with a team that will break your heart. You show up to the game. And whether they're winning or losing, you're still there. You're going to cheer them or you're going to jeer them, but you're there. And you go to MetLife Stadium now. It used to be Shea Stadium. There was never low attendance. It didn't matter what day of the week it was. Folks were there, just like the just like folks in Boston with Fenway. You're going to go to cheer or you're going to go to yell at the guys on the field, call them bums or whatever, but you're there. And the Mets are just – the other part is I'm going to date myself now. I was born in 69. We know what happened in 1969. Yep. And then I was in high school at that prime age when they won the World Series. 86. With, with, yeah, with Mookie and, you know, Keith Hernandez and Howard Johnson and Daryl Strawberry and Ron Darling and, you know, the whole squad. So Dark for me, that just, man. I was born into it, man. Yep. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite player growing up? I'm just curious, major league player. Roberto Clemente. Outstanding. Outstanding. 100%. And besides Roberto, I, I loved what the Pirates did during the whole We Are Family. Um, Reggie, you know, Willie Reggie Stargell. Jackson, Willie Stargell, you know, those were also a couple of my guys, too. The only time I was ever starstruck, I've met many players and many celebrities in my in my life, was when I met um, Reggie Jackson. Mm. I was in the presence of greatness. I, I didn't even know how to act. I was like, I was a five-year-old kid again. Oh, awesome. wow. <laughs> that yeah. is cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Did, uh, did you have, like, did you, have, Brian, I'm going off script here. I want to ask, fine. I want to ask about the Subway series in 2000. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, what went wrong? Agbayani throwing the ball into the crowd when there was only one out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of them. That's yeah. one of them. True. <laughs> I just felt like the Mets had all the momentum. They had all the love. Uh, yeah. They had everything. And it's not unlike, in my opinion, 2001 Mariners, where it just all went wrong at the wrong moment in time. It did. It did. It's a, it's one of those deals where you want to you wanna be hot at the right time, but you don't want to be hot for too long because at some point you're going to cool down. And unfortunately, they they cooled down at the wrong time and really pitching is what would make it always makes a difference in playoff games. It's, it's all about pitching. 
pitching is going to win it all the time. If you've got, if you've got the staff, you're going to shut down any team. Who the Yankees have? Who the Yankees have that year? I I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I got I got to ask what was yeah I mean I'm sure you have many of them but can you share with our audience one of your favorite Seattle Manor moments? Yeah, there was a a game I remember Yankees of course anytime. You know, anybody beats the Yankees. It doesn't matter. You know, it could be Al-Qaeda. As long as they beat the Yankees, I'm good. Um, and uh, it was Mike Sweeney, if you guys remember Mike Sweeney. Yep. He was with us briefly, Mr. Royal. And uh, he had hit a double against Mariano Rivera. So he's on second. The Mariners are down one run. And they brought in a pinch runner. Don't remember who it was. And as Sweeney was leaving, he said something to Ichiro Suzuki. He gave him a tip. It tipped off a pitch or something that he saw. And then Ichiro steps up and smacks it off the Hit It Here Cafe glass for the win against Mariano Rivera. That was one of my all-time favorite moments. That's awesome. We went berserk. I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So when you came came to Seattle, uh, what was – what was your impression of the fan base when you got here? And then maybe what was also your impression before you moved to the Northwest? To be honest with you, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't know there was a team. Up here. <laughs> 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 but I got out here the same year that kind of Ken Griffey um, was, was kind of had come up to the majors. He was, you know, he was the kid. And I remember seeing him a couple places cause he was pretty visible. Like, in Wallingford, I think I saw him one time. He used to get his car detailed somewhere down there. Um, my impression of the fan base initially, I, I was really good friends with Omar Vizquel. And I would go to games with Omar, you know, and there was no one in the stands. Like, Omar could jump into the stands at the Kingdom <laughs> and chat with us before he jumped back over and, and went into the locker room. I, I always thought that the facility was a problem. Um, you know, if you come from somewhere else where you can like grab a hot dog and then hear something on the field and turn around and, and take a couple steps and see what's happening is a big difference than being closed in a dome. When you're out getting food, you can't see the field. So to me, I always thought that I had a hard time, you know, with that being baseball in an enclosed stadium like that. Um, I also think that there was times with the fan base in general, um, that can be a little bit fickle out here, a little fair weather, because you've got to, you got to love your team or you got to love to hate your team, but you have to show up for your team. And that's the one thing with the Mets, the Yankees, you know, the fan base thinks we're going to win all the time because they think they're so wonderful. Um, but the Mets, you know, that's the blue collar team. You know, you, you earn that banner and you know, the peanuts or whatever, you show up to the game and uh, you cheer them on when they're successful, you're upset with them when they're not, but you still love your team. And I think that's the issue here, not to get too deep into it, but like with the Sonics, you know, I think it's, uh, there was definitely the leadership failed, but the fan base just didn't show up because we were about to lose the Mariners in 95. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe right around there, yep. but they started winning and the fans showed up and they stayed. When the Sonics were about to go, they weren't winning. The fans didn't show up and they were gone. And the best way to get an NBA franchise expansion or whatever you want to call it team in your city, you know how the, you know the best way to do that? Show up. Don't lose the one you already have. Well, there's that too. Yeah. 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 Good point. No, I, I, I think I agree with that because I, I've had that argument with friends before and they ask, why, why do I sit there and get upset at the Mariners when they've lost for 20 years? It's like, I, that's what a fan is to me. I I agree with you, Alex. I, yeah, it's, (laughs) but you got to show up. You can't, you can't get so upset that you don't show up because I'm, I'm telling you what Julio Rodriguez is doing now and what Ty France is doing now, what JP Crawford is doing now, they feed off of the fan base. They do. They're going to be successful. Yeah. But when the fans are behind them, even if you lost three games and this is the fourth game of the series, and there's an opportunity for a walk-off, 
you got to be there to support it because you're missing it. You know, and I know the weather here isn't great. A lot of people don't like to go to the early games, but there's been seasons where I've been in the booth watching this team do incredible things early in the season, wondering where the fans are. Mm -hmm. It's like, where is everybody? Do we need to play the games earlier? And they get some heaters. Like, what do we got to do? Because you're missing some really, really good stuff. Actually, I feel like that 640 start has helped. Yeah, like that I, definitely does help. I really enjoy that. Yeah. I, for me, it's, you know, play during the day. I mean, what's, what's the problem? I love the matinee <laughs> games, you know? It's like, why not? You know, but yeah. I just, you know, I just think that the fan base here... I won't say that this is a that this is not a baseball town. I don't agree with that. I just think that the fan base, just people get so frustrated that as opposed to taking it to the field and even boo the team when they strike out or whatever it is, but just show up. I think folks just kind of, you know, they just stay home. The weather's not good. The team isn't playing well. Ah, I'll just stay home. Now, I mean, a real fan, you got to show up. Yep. You got to show up to support your team. So – with that said, with the current status of the Mariners, should we worry? I know it's um, early, but. It, it's definitely early, and I would say don't worry, but there's definitely always that level of concern. We're a quarter of the way in, 10 games out of first place. That's a really hard place to be. The Astros are surging. I honestly thought we were the best team in the division. I think that we still can be, but. From the beginning, I told everyone there was two main factors, and it was health and Hanniger. Okay, Hanniger in the lineup makes everybody better. Okay, and yeah. if we stay healthy, then we're going to play good ball. Now, the the shortened spring training did not help us at all. You know, other teams are maybe they're a little more established. The Mariners are still working out some things. You got some young guys and need some at bats. You got pitchers that are trying to work on different things. I, I, I don't think that that was helpful to us, even though everybody else in the league is kind of figuring it out. Um, I just think that that circumstance specifically for the Mariners um, was not was not good. Um, I don't think that that was good at all. I I wouldn't be worried right now, but, you know, we're in a tough division. So winning 90 plus, I mean, 190 last year and didn't get into the dance. So I just, I believe that there's still plenty of time for them to get hot. They're just in a bad stretch. And this is something that they seem to do, but without Hanniger in the lineup, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for the team to get that jump start. What is it that Hanniger has? Is it clutchness? Is it leadership? What, what's, it's all that that you mentioned. It's also wherever you put him in the lineup, whoever's batting, you know, ahead of him is going to see better pitchers. I've, I've seen players that have made careers off of where they put them in the lineup, you know, and I think with Hanniger, you know, he's the kind of guy that and when Ty France has kind of stepped up into that role where it's by any means necessary. And Hanniger is the type that's going to put the whole team on his back. Remember late last season, with grand slam, a home run, like all in the same game. Cause a guy just wants to win. Um, but it was necessary to get that consistency in the lineup with Hanniger in there throughout the season. And we just don't have it right now. And that's to me, one of the major contributors as to where they are at this point of the season. What's a resurrected JP cross JP Crawford's career. What made he stop swinging at that inside curveball breaking ball thing that he used to swing at i think it's plate discipline is what's changed him um and um obviously you know it helps to get a contract and get appreciation uh where your team you know demonstrates to you that they want you here but i think with crawford it's just been really understanding the strike zone and really owning that piece of it defensively we know that he's stellar out there his glove is fantastic um and he's a great clubhouse guy off the field. He's a great guy with the fans and everything. I just think that for him, it was very important um, for him to really work on his, you know, working in the zone, not being afraid to be down, you know, two strikes and just really changing his swing and not swinging at stuff out of the strike zone. 
Fair enough. Um, uh, sorry, but I'm going to go off script again. Tell me the day in the life for Alex Rivera went during the baseball season. Yeah. Uh, for example, do you have to get to the ballpark two hours early, three hours early? I mean, I'm curious what the life is of a baseball announcer, what you yeah. go through. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, you know, show up to the stadium, obviously deal with all the traffic and everything. Fortunately, you know, we park in a section where it's just media, um, and the ball players and that type of thing. I get to walk through the tunnel, uh, past the locker rooms, uh, get to go in, walk out on the field, kind of take a look at who's taking batting practice, see what they're working on, who's out there fielding, what positions they're fielding in to get an idea of where they might be moving players around, you know, like Toro, is he, is he taking ground balls at third? Is he at second? Is he at first? What's he doing? Um, and just kind of getting the, getting a feel for the energy uh, prior to the game, you know, because a lot of times when teams are losing, you know, it's like a sad locker room it's it's a sad pregame um but i don't see that from this team uh this season so do all that and then i'll go up top because the one thing people don't realize is that i've got game notes but they're in english so i'm reading in english stats they're going into the computer and then they're coming out in spanish okay there's no spanish notes i don't have time to translate so i just highlight my notes that I can talk in between pitches and so on and so forth. Tendencies, what happened the previous game, what happened the previous time they played the team. I go out there and kind of get all my notes and everything together. Um, and then basically, you know, once the mic gets on, it's showtime. Wow. And what time do you usually get out, out of there after the game? Do you hang around for a couple hours or? No, no, we're done. We don't have a post game or anything that goes back. You know, someone else deals with that. We call it till the last pitch, shut it down, kind of do the recap, and then basically we're out. Okay, right on. And with COVID, you know, it kind of changed things a little bit, um, you know, before, and it's just kind of coming back now, but I would always have the opportunity and, and was blessed to be able to sit with Niehaus and Riz and Sims and Blowers and, and Kevin Kremen when he was, you know, doing the engineering. And we'd all sit around the table and, and Julio would be there. And, you know, we eat before the game and chat, talk about the other teams and players and any, any, any insight that they have that they can offer up as well. COVID kind of killed that. And those were, those are a couple rough seasons where it was like straight to the booth and straight out, wear your mask, check your temperature, you know, grab a sandwich out of the cooler because there's no food being served. So it was, it was a bit different, but you know, understandably under the circumstances. And this year we're finally coming back to getting back to normal um, where now you can sit in the cafeteria and kind of folks are getting used to it. And we get to kind of hang out there and talk to the scouts for the other teams that are there, talk to the broadcasters for the other teams as well. So um, we're getting to build that camaraderie and that's, and that's really cool. Outstanding. Any any chance on uh, broadcasting the all-star game? I don't know about that. We need some sponsorship, man. <laughs> <laughs> if there, if yeah. anybody's out there listening, Alex Rivera needs some sponsorship. Yes, we need some sponsorship. <laughs> you know, because it'll be, obviously, MLB is going to own that, and MLB has, during the playoffs, they have a uh, an SAP. They have a Spanish language uh, feed that probably comes out of New York, I'm assuming. So. Oh, so it won't be like. Rick Riz doing the announcing for the local. no 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 it'll just be anytime it's an ESPN like you know night game or you know one of those ESPN Sunday night games or whatever um, it's whoever you know on TV it's that team on the radio it's going to be you know Sims and and who a Goldsmith or Riz or whoever's working that one I see I see hey you, uh, oh, go ahead go ahead Brian. no go ahead Brian. um. <sighs> When I was doing my study and I noticed that you are a musician, what instruments do you play and have you jammed with anybody famous? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I actually sing and I play percussion. Okay. And uh, recorded a, a, an album, can't call it a CD, I'm like, sound like an old guy. Uh, recorded <laughs> an album that was delayed by COVID and we finally were able to release it last year in April and got some really cool support. Um, from the Mariner folks, you know, players and 
and uh, Greg Green and Kevin Martinez playing it at the stadium and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I do vocals. I, I always did ever since I was a kid. Um, it's something I, I played music here for many, many years. So it's uh, it's fun. It's it's definitely the hobby, but it's definitely a younger man's hobby. So <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this where you got your confidence to be on the microphone? Yeah, but basically. And also, you know, growing up in New York, I was a short kid, you know, with buck teeth. So I had to be able to talk my way out of a lot of situations. <laughs> but I would So assume, you get comfortable quick. I would assume there's a technical skill for singing and broadcasting that, you know, probably. Uh, yeah, it would be, uh, over, right? you know, projection. It's, it's where you're bringing um, the vocal from so you don't strain your throat when you get excited, you know not to be nasally and, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're using that, um, that instrument properly. I was thinking also maybe some improvisational skill. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because the style of Latin music that I sing is salsa and salsa music is, uh, it's a lot of improv. So you're, you're kind of making it up as you go within melody and within a cadence and within, uh, you know, the theme of the song, you don't, you don't go way off off script. So, um, it, it definitely, um, gives me the opportunity to use, you know, some good descriptive metaphors when I'm, when I'm calling the ball game. Do you write, do you write your own lyrics then too? I, I do on this specific production. I went to the big boys cause I was actually trying to sell some units. <laughs> so maybe somewhere down the road, I'll write my own. <laughs> and, and do you find yourself like when you're uh, broadcasting, do you ever say, da, da, do you ever get in a cadence where it's all? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> That's, you know, when, when things are happening, like the double play and stuff, you know, or the home run, you know, definitely I, I exercise that muscle as well, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and Steve, you know, shout out to Steve Guash, you know, he's a engineer and also backup broadcaster. It's been doing this, you know, from day one with me. And he's the one also that keeps me in, in check in line and gets me on the air at the right time and off at the right time. Um, he also, you know, between innings, he'll play by music uh, sometimes, you know, not to bore anybody with it, but he'll play the music so that you could hear it in between innings uh, on the SAP broadcast. That's crazy. So you have to have your, you have to have your own engineer. Uh, do you have to use your own equipment or do the Mariners provide? No, it's actually uh, Root Sports, uh, Root Sports provide the equipment. Because Root Sports, um, a few years back, I don't remember exactly when it was, but when they actually bought the rights before they were bought by the Mariners, they bought the rights and they kind of packaged us in. And it's not really their thing because they're TV, they're not radio. Mm. So they're like, all right, cool. If you want the rights, you have the TV rights, but you also have to take this Spanish radio broadcast <laughs> thing as well. And they were really cool about it, and they and they have been as well. Very welcoming. I heard you mention earlier that you do interviews with players. Uh, do you do that during the broad, broadcast itself, or is that as part of the package? Uh, for what I like to do is uh, I like to catch them, you know, second or third game of the series, depending on you know if it's a, a long or a, a short series, and um, it's usually before, and then it's something that will feed in during a pitching change. A um, little bit pre-game or post-game, depending on you know how much time we have, because uh, because we're on the root uh, feed as an SAP. Um, once they cut, we cut. But before, um, when we had actually a radio network over Eastern Washington and all that, we were able to do more as far as uh, adding interviews and and sound drops of players and things like that. Do you ever have a strange interview where a player just starts talking about something very odd? And, uh, <laughs> and like, Tony, oh, no. Tony Bautista. What happened? What happened with Tony Bautista? He, he super religious. Okay. What, what did he so say? So it just, it kind of went from baseball to, you know, the glory of God, which, you know, <laughs> I'm a religious man myself. Don't get me wrong, but that's like, that's cool. But can we get back to <laughs> <Talk> baseball? <about laughs> is, is God in the lineup tonight? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> who's your, who's your favorite interview? Oh man, my favorite interview. Like somebody you would seek out, you know, specifically. Like I got sure. this guy's comments. Uh, I, I, you know, Edgar was really was a really cool interview. It was a very cool interview, and I had a chance earlier, you know, when I first started, and then kind of at 
towards the end of his career had a chance because he's always, um, you know, he was just a guy that always had really good things to say, very positive, but also super, you know, focused. Like you can just, when you hear him talk about um, pitchers and, and when they give, you know, the give, like he could, he could just see it. He had an eye that was just amazing. That's awesome. And besides him, uh, Raul Ibanez as well was one of my favorite guys. Okay, cool. The one thing that Raul told me that that is instilled in my mind, and it's something that it just, it transcends beyond baseball. It's just regular life. He's like, anytime I come out to play, I give 110% because there's somebody in that crowd that has not seen me play. Oh, cool. And that one day when I'm not feeling it, I'm in a bad mood or whatever it is, that's the day that that person is going to show up and that's the impression they're going to have of me. And I wasn't raised that way. And I, it's just something that I always remembered. It's like you just, regardless of if there's 12 people in the stands or the stands are full, you give 110% every time because that's what you're supposed to do as a professional. Right on. I feel like I've read that, so I feel like I read an article that stated that he needs to be a major league baseball manager someday. hundred percent. He's a very, very methodical, really brainy guy. Like he was practically coaching the game when he was playing the game, when he was doing more DHing, like he's, you know, he was advising managers and, and things like that unofficially. I think he would be a, a fantastic manager because he has the right demeanor and he's just a, a smart baseball guy and he just gets it. You know, there's some managers that rely too much on the book, lefty, lefty, righty, righty. Let's bring in a pinch hitter. And Ibanez has enough of that discipline, but he's also a feel guy. And okay. I think it's important to use feel. You know, it's like it's like in basketball. If you got the hot hand, you got to keep passing them the ball, you know, and then and, and just because you know, the left-handed pitchers come in if the guy's a righty and he's hot, leave him in there, you know? And thank you, Alex, for saying that. Matthew Page, sometimes it's just about what you see and what you feel and not your your silly little stats that you yes. compile in your mother's basement. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, um, honestly, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I apologize to anyone that, that will be offended by it, I but don't. I think all the cybermetrics <laughs> and all these all these additional stats and all these number, all this number crunching, that's cool. But you know, it's it's like Moneyball. At the end of the day, there's the one thing you can't take into account is heart and and desire. And there's players, man. David Eckstein should never have been a major league baseball player, but that guy outworked everybody, and he had a great career. Yep, and he was mediocre at best. Yep. But the guy outworked everyone and that's why he had a career. So if you go off of these same numbers, that guy never ends up in the majors, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. just, it's like, it's like Tom Brady who would have picked him. I mean, <laughs> he was point. a pathetic mess in the combine yeah. and look at what he's done. He's the goat, you know, it's just <laughs> for me, there's uh, absolutely the numbers are great and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, there has to be a feel there's the human element and that's what you don't get out of a computer. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you don't like uh, what Matt Page has to say on sports either. Thank no, you. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it's ruining the game, but it's ruining the game. You know, <laughs> did my Yogi Berra. It's not ruining the game, but it's ruining the game. It, it's it's too much about numbers, it, it, and that just it doesn't matter. I remember the days where your middle infielders were your, you know, your Ozzy Smiths and your Omar Vizquel's and and guys that were agile and quick and you weren't expecting them to hit home runs. And it wasn't that type of a game. You know, it's, you, you got to hit when it mattered. Dave yeah. Henderson was the guy that was like batting averages and his mindset, but the batting average didn't matter. What matters is when you go up to hit in the situation, what are you doing? When you yeah. have to deliver for your team, that's what matters. Yep. And Jay Buhner's career was like that. He never had a, a great, you know, over the top batting average, but when Jay came up and in, in the clutch situation, he got it done. Yes, he did. You know? And yep. that's what, and that's what matters at the end of the day. You know, we rely too much on numbers. <clears throat> well said, well said. I, I got some rapid fire questions for you, but first I got to ask, you mentioned root sports. Have, have you met Angie Mentick? Sure. Angie's one of my favorite people. She's a great gal. 
Okay, because uh, I know she broadcast the game the other night. I just think yeah. she's amazing what she's done over the last 20-plus years. She is intelligent, over-capable. I mean, like, as far as somebody who could who could call a game and that can control it, she played ball. I remember when she played for the Silver Bullets. I used to I, – I watched, you know, her play baseball professionally. Um, I, I just think that I've seen her even work with players – I believe it was Michael Saunders and also Rob Ducey mm-hmm. helping them with that step in the outfield, you know, like taking the first step at the ball and how to approach it. I mean, she knows the game. Yep. She knows the game. She has excellent insight. Her delivery is great. And, and she just, I, I just, I'm a huge fan. She's very, very capable. Outstanding. I, I totally agree, but I appreciate hearing that. All right. A few rapid fire questions. If you don't mind, just give us a, two or three words describing these individuals. Uh, first one, Dave Niehaus. A legend. A legend. A legend, a great human being. Outstanding. I, uh, Rick Riz. Rick Riz is a star. He's just awesome. Uh, yeah, I love hearing him. He's got better and better over the years. 100%. Yep. How about Aaron Goldsmith? Goldie is one of those guys that He's very impressive. He's got an awesome delivery, and he is a student of the game. He really understands um, the history as well as current baseball. All right. How about a former guest that we had on recently, Dave Sims? That's my guy. Dave Sims is, is a powerhouse. I mean, I've heard him on NCAA broadcasts and in baseball. He can, he can do anything. I 100% agree with that. How about Mike Blowers? Mike Blowers has got to be one of the most insightful, you know, besides the fact that he he's also kind of Nostradamus of baseball after making that two Asasopo call a, a few years back. He's just a very <laughs> insightful guy. He, he really understands the player perspective yep. of the game. And last, last one, which wasn't on my list, but you brought up Kevin Kremens earlier. Kevin, tell us a little bit about Kevin Kremens. Kevin Kremen was like that, like your favorite uncle. You know, he was always there, always had a smile, always had a positive word. And if you needed help, he would not hesitate to jump in and take the shirt off his back to help you. Outstanding. Thank you. Right on. Well, thank you, Alex, for uh, being on our show today. How can people listen to you? Where where can they uh, hear your Spanish broadcast and where can they find you on social? Um, our largest audience is, um, you know, the SAP. Um, whatever cable system you have satellite if you change the language to spanish then you hear me you don't see me because this is a face for radio (laughs) 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 and socially if you are on social media it's los marineros and that's on facebook as well as instagram and if you're ever at the stadium just turn around and wave where i believe right now we're above the e and welcome okay all right, uh, time for shout-outs as we end our show today. Brian, why don't you get us started? I'm going to give a shout-out to you, Alex. We truly appreciate you coming on. We've been truly blessed with wonderful guests this last year and a half, and you were awesome to meet and talk to, and hopefully we get to meet you again one day. We'd love to have you back. And You have a wonderful, beautiful family, and just give our best to Cindy and the kids, please. Definitely. I am going to give a shout out to Matthew Page, who, while he is wrong about sabermetrics and uh, <laughs> having an interest in that, but I still, he's not feeling well. He should have been here interviewing and I uh, uh, hope he can get back and uh, interview at some point in the future. I'm sure he has a lot of great questions. Alex, I'll let you finish off with a shout out. Yes, I will definitely give a shout out to um, the family of Julio Cruz. Um, going through a tough time, especially I can imagine during baseball season, there's a lot of memories that come up and hopefully there are uh, more good memories, you know, and positive things for them. They're in my prayers. I love them all very much and uh, loved Julio. You know, he was family to me. So I just hope that the family is is getting by and and uh, getting through these tough times. Fantastic. That was Alex Rivera, the Spanish play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Mariners. I am Abraham Deweese, and on behalf of Brian the Soul Man Solak, and out there in the ether, the sick 
Matthew Page. I, I bid you adieu and we'll see you next week. Check us out on podcasts, on uh, iTunes, on Podbean, on uh, Captivate FM. And uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at Seattle Sports U. We'll see you guys next time.